0: bulletproof radio a state of high performance
1: you're listening to bulletproof radio with dave asprey if your everyday routine looks like mine used to it includes some bloating and gas trouble losing weight digestive issues and probably microbial imbalances When I learned that my gut microbiome was directly linked to all that stuff going on, I knew I had to do something, but it was hard to know what to do. And that's how I found out about Viome and the Viome full body intelligence test. Viome stands out because it uses gene expression analysis, which is RNA, instead of DNA to figure out what my body needs. They even use information they learn about you to create 100% custom formulated supplements and personalized probiotics just for you. Viome gave me the information I needed to really upgrade my health. I've known the team at Viome for almost 10 years and worked with them on their recommendations. It's real science. Now, you can give it a try, too. Go to Viome.com slash Dave and save $110 on the full-body intelligence test. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices, Hey everyone, it's Dave Asprey with Bulletproof Radio. Welcome to the
2: show. Today's cool fact of the day is that boring jobs are actually bad for your heart. Uh, The more boring your job, the more unvaried your heart rate tends to be, which makes you less able to handle exercise or surprises, and it puts you at greater risk of heart attack. So I think that you now have an excuse to go to your boss and say, my job is boring, which means I could die. So like, let's do something fun, all right?
1: Fasting. It's one of the best biohacks because there are so many benefits to your body and it doesn't even cost anything. Fasting can help you live longer, increase your brain power, and even turn back your biological age because it induces something called autophagy. Autophagy swaps out old or damaged parts of your cells with fresh new ones. There's now an awesome product called Spermidine Life that actually tricks your body into thinking it's fasting, which triggers autophagy without any actual fasting required. Spermidine Life is extracted from non-GMO plants and it's super clean. Fast smarter, not harder. Add Spermidine Life to your stack today whether or not you practice intermittent fasting. Go to spermidinelife.us, use code aspri 25 for 25% off your first purchase. Today's guest is Dr. John Salerno. Uh, He's a a
2: pioneer in the international field of anti-aging and I'd call complementary medicine or functional medicine, because he started this stuff 10 plus years ago. He founded the Salerno Center for Complementary Medicine in 2005 in New York. He's the chief medical officer behind Renew Life Anti-Aging, which is down in Sao Paulo. He's written three books, and he's really well known for weight loss treatments, bioidentical hormone replacements, uh, vitamin IV stuff, which you've heard me talk about. In fact, I I pissed a lot of you guys off when I posted a picture of me with a vein uh, being punctured by a needle for vitamins, and some people thought that had something to do with drug use. I'm like, no, vitamins are not drugs. They're very different. <laughs> Anyhow, um, this is uh, one of those doctors and experts who uses this kind of thing on not just probably himself, but also on a lot of celebrities. In fact, the way I heard about John Salerno was because uh, Suzanne Summers has talked about him and recommended him before. He also talks about putting butter in coffee, has dozens of celebrity clients, and generally is a cool guy. So John, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks. Pleasure being here. So
2: one of the reasons that it's interesting to talk with you today, John, is that you are able to legally and by training to switch between conventional Western medicine and more holistic medicine. And not all holistic practitioners are licensed as an MD and can write prescriptions for uh, antibiotics or for heavy duty drugs or the, the, the fun stuff like Provigil, uh, but you can switch between them. And I wanna know, how do you know when to use a holistic or complementary approach versus a Western approach?
3: Well that's a great uh, question, Dave. The rule of thumb in my office is that medicine is always the last resort, like surgery. So it's always a holistic approach. We look at uh, blood parameters, we do about 50 different blood tests, we'll look at lifestyle, we'll look at diet of course, we'll look at heavy metals and environmental influence, and then we'll uh, start treatment protocols based on a holistic approach. And if, and it's very rare, but if the whole approach uh, has not worked, after several uh, attempts then we will resort to medication but medication is always the very last resort Uh,
2: that seems like a precautionary principle kind of thing where you're basically saying use the stuff that has less of a potential downside before you go for the heavy stuff
3: yeah exactly and you know well uh, thankfully in the 10 plus 15 years or so that I've been doing holistic complementary medicine I think I've probably written uh, maybe 10 prescriptions for medications in the course of that time so other than bioidentical hormones which are prescription medications and natural thyroid which are of course uh, prescriptions, we don't really get into medications beyond that unless as I said, it's absolutely necessary, which is very, very rare, thankfully. I
2: I had a a weird experience, which I I don't think I've talked about before or written about. Um, This is going back a a couple years. Um, I've been taking thyroid medication for almost a dozen years. I've cut my dose dramatically when I got rid of Hashimoto's, but I've been exposed to toxic mold. I was obese as a kid, and, and I work better when I get some thyroid hormone. And I had a misfill from the pharmacy, so I had more thyroid in my pills than than we thought was in them, and had spent a couple days at 10,000 feet elevation up in the mountains, and flew right from there into a studio, and did a plank pose on the whole body vibration plate called the Bulletproof Vibe that I manufacture. It was for a photo shoot uh, for a course I was teaching. So for five minutes, I'm getting vibrated 30 times a second, and I came back two days later, and I had this horrible chest pain because my sternum was inflamed, which is really painful in retrospect, and I had arrhythmia from excessive thyroid. So when you have chest pain and arrhythmia, you go to the emergency room. Now I was feeling pretty wrecked to be honest. So I go to the emergency room and I'm telling the guy like, tell me if I'm having a heart attack because I shouldn't be having a heart attack, but I'm a little concerned because of these symptoms and I feel like crap and by the way, I'm getting a migraine because you have horrible fluorescent lights in here and I, like I'm not feeling good. He goes, I don't know what the heck's wrong with you, but let me cure your migraine. And, and I said, well, how would you do that? And he said, oh, intravenous Imatrex or something. And I and I'm like, I don't want to use an experimental drug, because I have stuff going on with my heart. And he goes, it's not an experimental drug. <laughs> and my answer to him was, it is for me, because <laughs> I don't know what it's going to do to me, right? And, and his approach was so Western that I was like, why did I even bother going to the emergency room? I should have just like, I don't know, had some had some uh, aspirin and gone to sleep or something. But. That that difference between, hey, let me just hit you with an IV to solve a symptom, versus let's figure out why this is happening, has been a constant source of frustration for me ever since I weighed 300 pounds and had serious brain fog and my doctor told me vitamin C would kill me. How did you catch on to this change more than a decade before a lot of the people are catching on now?
3: Well, that's a great question. You know, when I first got out of uh, my residency, I was offered a job in Connecticut in an urgent care center To make a long story short, I was seeing 60 or 70 patients a day spending about two minutes per patient or so, uh, oftentimes giving them four or five prescriptions. Uh, That's all I was taught coming out of medical school and then three or four days later the same patients would come back with symptoms related to the side effects of the medications I gave them and and after two or three years I made great money uh, It was based on how many patients I saw uh, I, A light bulb went off and said you know there's something so wrong with the system these patients are coming back they're asking for more and more medications having more side effects they're never better it's the same group of patients coming in and um, I was brought up as a baseball player, and I always thought of myself as taking good care of, taking plenty of vitamins since I was 12, and I said, you know what, I need to look at something totally differently than what I was taught in medical school, unfortunately, look at the nutritional approach, the holistic approach, and uh, to make another long story short, I ended up uh, doing the best thing that I probably ever could have done. Um, and that was working with Bob Atkins back in uh, in the early 2000's. I uh, started to work at his center and not only learning the protocols of his diet and and vitamins but his intravenous vitamin protocols and it was an experience that you couldn't put a price on. So anyway it took me from realizing the problems in the proactive or reactive system in the traditional medicine to becoming a proactive physician and looking at causative uh, agents and issues with patients and really embracing this whole holistic approach and and since then I've embarked and not turned back and I've seen both worlds and realized that uh, the one I'm doing right now is so much far superior that uh, you, you just can't even uh, talk enough about it
2: so it was uh, Dr. Atkins uh, directly his work that, that influenced you to move early I when I first went on the Atkins diet, uh, this was late 90s, I lost about 50 pounds in, in three months. I mean, it was, it was profound. I still had 50 more to lose that took several more years of figuring things out that maybe Atkins hadn't learned because we didn't have the biochemistry down yet about the types of fatty acids or uh, types of inflammatory proteins like soy. But it was so profound that I was pissed off for about three years because I'm like, I was fat my whole life. <laughs> I was fat as a teenager, I have stretch marks. Why didn't that knowledge come out? And, and I went and I bought the first edition book from 1972, the year I was born. And I'm like, my whole, and I still have it on my shelf. Like it's a reminder that like the knowledge has always been there, but people ignore it. And because of that, I was fat for more than half of my life. Uh, so why is this happening? Like Like you worked with him f- 15, 20 years after he started writing about this stuff Um, and you were an early adopter, but why are the rest of, of the people in the US and Canada and the rest of the world so unaware of his work or your work?
3: yeah that's a great question you know part of the problem is is that uh... funding and studies for this type of work is really not always readily available as it was not at least initially for atkins uh... secondarily the traditional medical field is very ultra conservative and they want to see study after study after more study and then studies that that don't refute the prior studies so they're a very ultra conservative blinkers on group that's very difficult to convince we start to slowly see after, you're right, it's probably been 40 plus years since Atkins introduced this concept, and we're just embracing it right now, and research is uh, certifying his, his, uh, his thoughts and his, uh, his books. So yeah, it's a very ultra-conservative group, unfortunately, and very reticent for change. They're just not really uh, embracing change rapidly, unfortunately.
2: Well, um, hopefully we're both doing a little bit to help people figure out that you don't have to wait in order to see if something works. Because you can kind of tell we have this amazing piece of biofeedback technology. It's a little bit dated, but it's called a mirror. (laughs) Like I changed how I ate and my skin looks different and my pants don't fit anymore because they're too big. Like I'm pretty sure I'm on the right path.
3: Yeah, exactly and you feel wonderfully yeah, absolutely that's proof of the pudding
2: now in a fairy tale land we would all just go on a higher fat lower toxin kind of diet and magic would happen and we'd all look like supermodels um, but what about some of the other things that you look at like heavy metals like how, how big of a problem is that how much do you focus on that and, and how often do you find it when you're working with, with people who want to not just age less but just perform better
3: Right, well, you know, it's interesting, Dave. We pretty much do heavy metal tests on almost all my patients here in New York City at the Salerno Center. We do, um, and we find, for example, mercury is very prevalent, so is lead and arsenic at very high levels often, and it affects patients in many ways, particularly when we're looking at weight loss. For example, mercury binds with insulin and renders insulin very ineffective. So, essentially, you can do a low-carb, you can do an Atkins diet, but if your insulin is bound to mercury it may not budge or move. It's uh, it's resistant because of its uh, binding with mercury. So we need to detox these patients before they'll see any improvement. Uh, Mercury also affects hormonal systems so that we can have estrogen dominance and we can see fat depositions where we don't want them to be based on estrogen, for example, to which mercury is bound to. So it's very important to look at heavy metals. We look at that routinely. We detox. We have a very active uh, IV and chelation room, oh, we have actually two rooms uh, for detoxing. We have separate IV weight loss protocols, of course, too. But yes, it's very, very important to look at other issues outside of the routine that uh, we're uh, trained to do for diet and weight loss.
2: Now, I had a guest on recently on Bulletproof Radio who talked about the value of hair testing and how you could look at ratios of minerals in hair is a, an indicator of metals. Uh, in my own experience, I've done that. I've also done a 24-hour and 8-hour urine collection after an intravenous challenge protocol. And, and for people listening, what, what I'm talking about there is you inject some stuff that makes your body let go of things like mercury and other metals, and it lets go via your bladder. So then you collect all your urine, see how much came out, and that's a good, a good sign that you had the stuff in your body. Do you use hair, or do you use urine, or do you use blood? Like, How do you know if someone has these mystical toxins
3: yeah good question we do two things we do blood levels which measure just recent exposure of heavy metals so that'll tell us if you've been exposed to metals within two weeks or so and then we do the uh, we do a six-hour heavy metal challenge where we use two chelating agents and we have our patients collect the urine over six hours that will tell us essentially how much body burden of heavy metals there is. So it's it's basically measuring a lifetime of exposure to heavy metals and how much is actually accumulated in the body. The reason why that's so important is that that's the test that will tell us how aggressive we need to be to get these metals out. So it's the most important test, the, uh, the urine six-hour challenge test that we do, and then we compare it to the blood test so that we can determine if it's more of an acute issue or if it's more of a chronic issue uh, related to exposure to heavy metals. So we combine the two testing in my office. Hair is, a, is not allowed in New York hair analysis, although it's a good test, <laughs> crazy New York State, but we, um, the hair can only go back to, uh, for example, Uh, 12 inches of hair would go back about a year or so of time of exposure. So hair only gives us um, a time and exposure to the heavy metals based on its length. So it's not terribly accurate for a lifetime exposure to heavy metals.
2: Did you do any work? I, I know you were involved with the World Trade Center cleanup project crew. Did you do any work on people who were actively exposed to debris and construction dust and things like that looking at heavy metals?
3: Yeah, good question. Yeah, we continue to see a lot of these patients, unfortunately, that were exposed months and months at a time, Uh, the first responders. uh, We see a lot of uh, mixtures of heavy metals. Uh, Almost all of them are off the charts with cadmium and arsenic and mercury and lead, unfortunately. Um, Probably other exposures that we can't measure yet in the bloods, but but clearly it's a big, big issue. It's clearly a causative uh, um, issue related to their health woes and uh, those that have been aggressive to detox and do IVs and whatnot are generally those that fare the best, but it's an unfortunate scenario. And yes, I was involved with the cleanup operation and subsequently in my practice testing these patients through the years, so we do see the, the dramatic amounts of heavy metals that they've been exposed to.
2: How do people feel when they're exposed to toxic metals and they build them up in their bodies?
3: Uh, Well, generally, it can range from chronic fatigue to memory issues to brain fog. Uh, With mercury, for example, we can see MS and other neurological symptoms. Um, With lead, we can see issues, unfortunately, as time goes on related to prostate or breast cancers, but generally the symptoms are chronic fatigue, uh, a lot of uh, cognitive issues with memory and cognition, and those are the initial symptoms that we'll see and allow us to search and test for heavy metals.
2: My experience with metals, and I've done the mercury chelation, I've done intravenous EDTA, DMSA, DMPS, i had reasonably high mercury levels and some cadmium and some lead, and. This was more than a decade ago, but but I've noticed that there are small changes in performance that come with exposure to metals. Uh, it, it's not like nothing or chronic fatigue, like it's a spectrum. So it, it, do you believe, and this is what I believe, but I, I could be wrong, and you have more experience in this than I do, so I'm kind of testing my hypothesis with an expert, but that that as you add these toxins, like if you were to say on an average day, someone with no toxins doesn't ever drop a word from their memory but on a day when a day or a week or when their, their mercury levels hit one out of 10, maybe they drop one word a day. And when they're five out of 10, they drop four words a day. Like there's a gradual decline in cognitive performance or physical performance before we hit the, oh my God, I feel crappy all the time. I have chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and you know, I'm a zombie. It, is it a spectrum or is it kind of like you can just handle this much and, you're, and there's just no measurable difference?
3: No, no, I think you're 100% right. And I think one of the issues uh, that allows patients to get to the point that they'll come and see me or physicians like me, is that they've really not been told about heavy metals and they may have noticed these small changes like you had over time, but they're not aware that they may be related to heavy metals. So by the time they reach the critical mass, it's a very high level, of cumulatively, of, of mercury or lead, and they'll get to my office and we'll test for it and we'll see that large accumulation that's built over time. If they had learned to recognize early signs and symptoms of toxicity, they would have gotten to their doctor sooner, as perhaps you did, and um, they would be tested more uh, you know, readily and early so that these symptoms would not escalate.
2: Do you work much with toxic mold exposure as one of the the types of toxins that your patients see?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We have an IV protocol, for uh, we call it our detox IV, which really addresses some heavy metals but mostly toxic mold and exposure to such. Uh, We test for it also readily. And uh, it's, it's a big problem. You can imagine here in New York City, a lot of the old apartment buildings, for example, and uh, some of which are over you know 150 years old, d- do have a large uh, area of, um, of issues related to toxic mold and uh, the symptoms that uh, exist with it.
2: So your, your detox protocol, that's the one with uh, IV lecithin, a basically.
3: Correct, yes, we do a lot of, um, we call it lipostable, but it's not phosphatidylcholine, right? The German stuff. Uh, Yeah, we do a lot of that, we do a lot of glutathione. Uh, We just added um, something called UVB, I'm sure you're familiar with that. We do that for for some candida and viruses and, and also some toxic mold exposure. But, yeah, our, our main IV uh, carries uh, not only the vitamin C and the glutathione, but the uh, lipostable, the phosphatidylcholine, which is really very effective. It, it's,
2: uh, it's fascinating. You're the first guy I've talked to on the show who, who does IV choline. And people who are listening who know the Bulletproof product line, we have choline force, which helps you with acetylcholine levels in the brain. But the kind of choline you can get when you're doing it intravenously is around your cell membranes. And when you get exposed to biotoxins, your cell membranes get addled. They they lose flexibility and they actually absorb toxins that kind of hang around in them. When you do this IV stuff, it helps you get rid of them. It's one of the other reasons a high fat diet can make people with neurotoxins feel better. And speaking of glutathione, I get intravenous glutathione every time I get a chance and I make glutathione force, which is, uh, Liposomal plus a lactoferrin, like it's an advanced delivery system for glutathione, so it it can absorb about five times better than normal liposomes. But it, the idea here is that when you get these detox things in, glutathione takes out the mercury, can help you take out the toxic molds. And my personal experience and knowledge, and just from working with with coaching clients and being married to a physician and having run a medical lab testing company with her, is that <laughs> there's an awful lot of people walking around with a biological burden of of metals, of mold, of chemicals from food, of endocrine disruptors, they have no clue, they think they feel okay, and they're running around at like 50% of what they're capable of, because you don't feel this stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah Good. that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely, 100% correct, Dave, Yep.
2: Now, how much should the average American budget to get rid of most of that stuff (laughs) like you're running around i have you should be scared if you heard that but like is this a ten thousand dollar problem is it a one thousand dollar problem like how much should it cost and how much does it cost i know you're you're off fifth avenue you deal with celebs but like like okay you know you're working a normal job you have a family how much do you spend for this
3: Well, it's a great question, you know, and we have patients that run the gamut that those that just could barely afford to come in to those that, you know, as you said, are celebrities and then the cost is no limit. Uh, One of the things that we've been very successful with, we've been fighting insurance companies here in New York and we're being certainly uh, for most patients that have what we call out of network coverage we're getting them reimbursed for a good portion of their IVs no matter what they're doing so we're very happy with the way some of the insurances have embraced us particularly chelation you know calcium EDTA is uh, is FDA approved for lead for example so we're very excited that a lot of our patients that ordinarily would not be able to afford this can get good reimbursement for their IVs now so that's been a huge uh, Thank you title shift in the way uh, the treatments are uh, are handled and the affordability of them. So uh, the, the short answer is if you have out-of-network insurance, a good part of it can be reimbursed. If you don't, we do do discounting for our patients. We try to keep it as even as possible and we'll help patients whenever we can. But uh, it depends on the to- the amount of toxic metals or mold. It can run, you know, ten to $20,000 for a total treatment and maybe even higher. We're seeing more and more issues issues with uh, heavy metals and with, uh, you know, four, five, six, seven metals combined that are off the chart. So it's very problematic and, and cost clearly is a factor, but insurances are starting to embrace this.
2: I am intrigued and amazed that anything progressive is happening in the New York medical community (laughs) because of the New York state state regulations. People listening to the podcast probably don't know, but New York has the most aggressive and Byzantine regulations. You can't get lab tests in New York that you can get in New Jersey for some strange reason. And I I often wonder if it's organized crime or some other reason, but it it just makes no sense. (laughs) But whoever's in charge must be making some money somewhere. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's crazy. It really, it never ends. And you know, we still can't figure out why. One week a test will be available and then next week it's it's not allowed again in New York. It will drive you crazy. We still haven't figured it out. When I do, I'll let you know. <laughs> now,
2: so uh, you a little bit dodged the question,
3: <laughs> but let me ask it a different way.
2: <laughs> I have a thousand dollars to spend. I'm going to assume that because I haven't lived a super clean life in an organic monastery high in the mountains, that I've accumulated the normal amounts of toxins that inhibit performance that people living in cities do. I want to spend my thousand dollars most effectively to increase my performance. Where do I spend it? Do I get IV chelation? Do I spend it all on testing? Do I do some Myers cocktails? Uh, what, what do I do? Like, where did I start?
3: Well, I think the, the, the first thing, the important thing to do is to spend at least a good part of that on diagnostic workup so that we can determine is it a hormone issue, is it a heavy metal issue, is it a combination of those, is it a thyroid issue. And then depending upon the results that we find and the amount of toxins we may find, the rest of that money well spent may very well be some short uh, intravenous Myers cocktails with uh, or just glutathione IV for a couple weeks at a time uh, combined with some oral chelating agents and then perhaps some prescriptions for bioidentical hormones. So it's a good question. It's a little difficult to answer because there's so much individuality but uh, and it really depends on the, the full diagnostic workup. But I think the most important thing is to get a really good detailed workup, so we at least know what we're dealing with first before we start any uh, implementation with treatments and then we can decide as to what direction and what money to be spent on the, on the rest of the diagnosis. Well, one thing that I,
2: I've started recommending to clients that I've never talked about on, on the air is, you know, if you're going to spend $150, $200 at the spa, one time Find a local person who does Myers cocktails and intravenous glutathione, which is gonna run about the same amount of money, depending on your city and who you go see. It could be up to $500, but in small towns, I've seen them for 75 or $100. Uh, so you're gonna spend about what a spa is gonna cost in your town, and see how you feel and how you look after you get glutathione and, and Myers cocktail versus how you see and look after they do a cucumber, green tea, kale facial peel with, something seaweed wraps whatever the heck they're doing but what you'll find is that you look different your skin glows but your brain you're like this is the best day i've had in a long time uh, um, is that kind of your experience the first time you give someone a myers cocktail like, like what do they do
3: yeah absolutely they generally feel quite energized uh, you're right they their skin will glow and it's funny once that happens they'll tell three or four friends or colleagues at work and before you know it, the IV room is packed with friends and then friends of friends. And that's really why the IV, these vitamin IV drips have become so popular. Patients are getting results. They're seeing results. And, uh, and consequently, we need two IV rooms now to keep our, uh, our patients satisfied. We take a lot of walk-ins too. Patients may feel tired or, or cold coming on. They want to come in for that day. So we'll accommodate them. Sometimes we have three nurses that are actually... Uh, working with us so it's clearly uh it's gained in popularity because patients feel and look so good
2: at, at the last bulletproof conference uh, last september we had a about 500 people show up and we had a long line at the iv nutrition station where people were getting iv nutrition at a conference around hacking the human body and we'll have the same thing next year by the way that's a a mild plug bulletproofconference.com where we've got the dates picked out it'll be in la but but the idea is is that a lot of people just never experienced it, and you think, "Well, I take multivitamins; I'm probably fine." But your liver and your gut filter a lot of those out, and then they don't get into the cells the way they do when you do it intravenously. So, I pretty much every two weeks, on average, I get intravenous nutrition, and it's not because I can't absorb my food or because I don't eat the most nutritious diet. I know how to how to engineer. It's that this is better. Like they, they go together. Uh, so that it's a, a shameless plug for Myers cocktails, and it is sounds like you use them pretty heavily um, yes absolutely y- you do something else that that's fascinating and something that i've known about for 10 years and that i've done exactly once mostly because it was hard to find and that's uh, uvb or ultraviolet b blood irradiation which sounds completely wacky can you tell our listeners what it is and how and why it works
3: yeah, absolutely Dave. Um, it works uh, firstly we take our patient's blood and we'll take maybe 150 cc's or so of a patient's blood we'll take it out of their vein, we'll put it into a uh, saline bag uh, basically that is, um, that'll have a little bit of, of normal saline in the, in the bag and then we will then run through tubing that blood back through a tube and into an ultraviolet light spectrum, which we usually use UVA and C, even though it's called an ultraviolet B light, oh, interesting! we find A and C is actually the better uh, spectrum of light, and what that does, it not only will uh, tend to kill off viruses and Candida and bacteria, it will also energize white blood cells and red blood cells uh, through the energy that's, that's radiated from the ultraviolet uh, uh, apparatus and patients will feel more energized, their candida will come to a halt, their viruses are often under arrest. I don't know if, if, if some of your listeners had seen ultraviolet light, for example, is used in some of these air purifications. Many hospital systems will use it for sterilization of their uh, instruments and apparatus in hospital settings. So the idea came forth from Germany whereby we were putting um, they started this process uh, Probably back in the 40s or 50s and the concept has just finally slowly but surely come to fruition in fact I believe New York University Hospital here in New York has won the first UVB light that's being used in a hospital setting and um, and I believe uh, that is the first, as I said, in the, at least in the States. So it, it, it makes clear sense. We see some great results with it. Uh, we have patients coming in two or three times a week sometimes for it. And uh, it, we're very excited about it. We have it about mm, six, seven months now.
2: So, so I, I've been intrigued by this for a long time and, and there's, aside from the direct effect of sterilizing that little bit of blood, but when you re-inject it, other things happen. and. Uh, One guy, I think it was Dr. Kennel from the Vitamin D Research Council, uh, talked about how UVB in blood causes that blood to make just stupendously high amounts of vitamin D3 and make it in the quote natural way that comes from sunlight versus supplementation, which isn't exactly natural because it's not sulfated. do you think that the vitamin D angle is, is one of the mechanisms of action for like why this sounds kind of it's, it still sounds wacky to me. You take your blood out and, you know, superhero UV exposure, radiation and magically you're better. But it, it works. I've seen it work lots of times. Is that why or is there something else going on?
3: yeah I think that 's clearly some uh, part of it, no doubt I think uh, the vitamin D aspect and the production of vitamin D definitely has uh, validity to it. I think too, if you look at the um, the way the ultraviolet light, the energy spectrum of ultraviolet light, particularly what we use A and C, it will actually energize the cell membranes and create um, energies across the membranes of the cells, particularly red and white blood cells, and I think that's the second mechanism that, uh, whereby patients will feel energized, before, besides, like you said, the sterility effects of the ultraviolet light. So, And there may be some other mechanisms that we're still uh, not quite understanding yet, but that will come to fruition, but clearly we see clinical results with this.
2: One of the other theories, and the one that I'm, I'm most Uh, most excited about has to do with with hacking the mitochondria. Like, you know this, but listeners uh, may not. Mitochondria are the power plants in the cells and they make ATP and without mitochondria, you would sort of die because you'd be a lump of things that couldn't do anything. (laughs) mitochondria run on on electrons and when you do things like ozone therapy uh, which is something that I've practiced at home one of the things that helped me get over toxic mold and Lyme disease uh, is that it adds an extra electron that helps your mitochondria work and you can measure it in the ratio of these two things in your mitochondria called NAD and NADH so if someone tells you you have nice NADs they're actually talking about your mitochondria nothing else and now I haven't seen any evidence for this, but I would bet, given the similarity of ozone and UV therapy, that there's a mitochondrial effect from it. But I've never seen that. And I'm pretty sure that everything that makes people feel better upregulates mitochondria. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a true statement, but it seems like in, in my own experience, every time you do something to help your mitochondria, everything gets better. Do you, do you focus on any other mitochondrial things besides potentially UVB? Like, like, what are the other ways for turning up mitochondrial function that, that you would practice?
3: Yeah, that's a great uh, question. We do. Uh, we have. I have. A, you know, SolernoVitamins.com. We sell a lot of vitamins that are geared towards uh, building up mitochondrial storage and and uh, and working on the, that energy component of uh, of our cells. We also do NADH as an IV drip aside, uh, and we sell it, of course, on my vitamin lines. But we see great results when we give NADH intravenously, for example. We use uh, coenzyme Q10, for example, through intramuscular injection, besides selling it um, in our vitamin lines. So yes, and and the focus over the last year or two in research has really been towards mitochondrial function, and we clearly see the effects of that, particularly when we, uh, we do vitamins, geared towards uh, energy and mitochondria and or IVs. We have a lot of marathon runners, for example, and a lot of athletes. And uh, when we can legally do something for them, uh, uh, and we'll we'll give them IVs, for example, geared towards mitochondrial function so that they'll be ready to run their race and have uh, pockets of stored energy ready to go um, either with their race or their athletic events. So, yeah, that's been the focus over the last couple of years, and it's really very exciting with great results also.
2: When do you tell people to put butter and brain octane oil and things like that into their, into their coffee? Like, I, I know that that's something you do. What are the, the criteria uh, for, for you making that recommendation? <laughs> it's really okay. <laughs>
3: Yeah, there is. We don't use a criteria. We want everyone to use butter in their coffee. We love what you guys are doing. And uh, obviously, not only from the taste, but, you know, when I wrote my, uh, my book, Fight Fat with Fat, and we had done some research, butter had come to the... Forefront because we found that butyric acid, which is the component of butter, can actually turn off oncogenes, cancer genes, particularly cancers regarding colon, certain lung, and prostate. So butter, actually, in many many recent studies, has been shown to be anti-carcinogenic, which is really fascinating. Something I, of course, we were never taught in medical school. We we're always told to avoid butter. Plus the satiety and taste factor with butter; it keeps us filled longer. Uh, it'll when we put it in our coffee in the morning, we uh, we can go five, six hours feeling pretty filled, happy, and satisfied, so we're not overeating, overindulging in other foods, so clearly we want everyone to be on coffee and butter in the mornings, and our patients love it, I love it, nothing better, the taste-wise and, and fulfillment-wise. Uh, it,
2: it's interesting, when I was writing the Bulletproof Diet book, I, I really dug in on, on the butyric acid angle and found two different studies that talked about what what many in the paleo community and all know, it's that if you eat some kind of fiber, vegetables or starch, then the bacteria in your lower intestine can make butyric acid. So that's hilarious, that's great, you know, hooray, we're all gonna make butyric acid, which is a very good thing. The only problem is that the two studies I found show that when you eat butyric acid, it has a different and beneficial effect on your gut. So the idea is it's not enough to manufacture it in your gut, you gotta put it in your mouth. And when you do that, you get the upper GI effects of butyric acid and you get the brain inflammation modulating effects of butyric acid. So like the case for it is so strong, Yet you still see people with like this look of existential horror, like the first time they're putting like a tablespoon of butter in their coffee and, and they're kind of cringing and they're looking around like their parents are going to yell at them, even though they're 60. And But then once you try it, you know what it's like the first day, like all of a sudden it happens.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, uh, it's, it's remarkable, and I still think the research is, uh, is ongoing on, you know, we've avoided saturated fats for so long, and now saturated fats are at the forefront for health and health benefits, and I think over the next four or five years, you will see more and more positive research on the importance of things like butter and butyric acid. I think we're just beginning the tip of the iceberg on the uh, beneficial effects of these saturated fats.
2: Have you ever done an IV with butyric acid in it
3: no you know it's funny we're trying to get uh IVs uh, formulated with butyric acid. One of the issues is, because, uh, and with many fats, it's very hard to get the solution correct so that it can be put into an intravenous. We are able to get it, we think, intramuscularly, uh, but, but not yet intravenously. Have you heard at all of anyone doing it intravenously? Well, I
2: I'd sign me up to be a guinea pig. Uh, next time I'm in New York, I'll, I'll come by. You can stick me full of experimental substances. I, I, I live for that stuff. Um, you got now, it, Dave. Absolutely. There's a phenylated, uh phenylbutyrate which has profound effects in multiple sclerosis and that is available intravenously and I, I'm interested in trying it because as amazing as, I, as my biochemistry is today, I still am sensitive to toxic molds I, I get large immune responses from it. When I'm exposed, I'm looking for ways to turn myself back on more quickly. Uh, when people see the documentary that we just filmed called Moldy, uh, bulletproofexec.com slash moldy, you can sign up for the full theatrical release. Um, we actually filmed in central park um, when a mold victim who got sick in a new building in new york and and, and all this uh, all this stuff but but you'll find 28% of the population once we're exposed every time we're re-exposed it's like it's like we walked into a wall and feel crappy for anywhere from a couple hours to a couple months and i don't really have that effect anymore because i can turn it off with supplements but um, if, if I could do an intravenous butyric acid or phenyl butyrate that was available, I think it would be profound and it would probably be one of those anti aging technologies. So please do it and please make it popular because I want it.
3: <laughs> you got it, Dave. I will definitely look at my sources and see if we can get it in New York. And you come, you'll be the first patient for sure. All right.
2: We'll, uh, You're more than welcome. We'll do another offensive Facebook Thanksgiving post about how I always get intravenous vitamins on major holidays. <laughs> now, <laughs> talk to me about turmeric. I love turmeric, I've used turmeric as an anti-inflammatory thing for years, but you use it for other reasons, like what are all the things you might use turmeric for in your practice?
3: Well, that's very interesting, we're also, by the way, trying to get turmeric um, in IV form and we're close, if not uh, right there, I have uh, probably within the next month we should have it manufactured for us. but tumeric for example has been studied with alzheimer's and uh... brain inflammation and and uh... dementia memory loss so we have all our patients with any sorts of memory issues or deficits or or alzheimer's patients all taking a ton of uh tumeric. Um, we see it also with skin, psoriasis, uh, eczema. We want patients to be on uh, a good amount of uh, curcumin or turmeric. We're also seeing in any other inflammatory issues, when we see something called C-reactive protein, for example, when that becomes elevated, uh, indicating inflammation potentially around the coronary arteries, we'll throw in besides fish oils, we'll have our patients on uh, high-dose turmeric. So the, the profound benefits of turmeric are almost too numerous to, uh, to mention, but almost every one of my patients will go on either an IV um, component that would reduce inflammation or turmeric itself in oral form that, uh, that we recommend in our vitamin line. So it's extremely very good, highly important, and um, research is still ongoing, but, but always positive. Um, every week or so, there's something new that we've discovered about turmeric.
2: I used about a tablespoon of it in my lunch and I've been taking uh, six to eight capsules of the was it, BCM, the, the standardized essential oils of turmeric uh, extract version that's more bioavailable. I've been doing that for more years than I can remember because the research is so profound for cancer and all these other reasons. So if you're listening to this, uh, I think it's on my top 10 list. It, it may not be because it's not a vitamin, but it's one of those things that if you're not using it in your food every day, uh, you probably should be taking a couple of capsules. Uh, it's not not expensive, and it's it's amazing stuff. All right, now let's talk about something that's personally been an annoyance forever, and that's allergies. So so as a kid, I always had allergies. Turns out I was living in a basement that had toxic mold from water damage behind the paneling in my bedroom, which was part of my allergies, but they can never figure it out. They pricked my skin a million times. I always had really bad hay fever. And as an adult, it got a little bit better, but still, like I walk through moldy leaves in the forest, boom, I'm gonna start coughing or sneezing, and sometimes just other things set me off. And I also have some food allergies. I had much worse ones when I was younger, but I still have some of them, and I'm working to get rid of my allergies. My goal is to just hack that entirely. I I wanna be able to walk through whatever the heck and not have any allergic response. How am I gonna do that?
3: Hmm, good question. Well, you know, the, the issue is uh, detoxing is so critically important. We want to try to normalize our, our body's response to allergens. Oftentimes, we'll find heavy metals as a main culprit in uh, inducing and creating allergies. Uh, we look at vitamin D levels. We want to make sure vitamin D levels are extremely elevated in our patients, particularly those that have allergies or asthma. Uh, we also want to uh, use some nice supplementation. We use a lot of nettle and quercetin. We have a nice vitamin called the allergy factor that has a lot of these components. Uh, Oftentimes, too, we do IVs again with uh, allergies in mind with high-dose B12, and we use a lot of glutathione for allergies. Um, Allergies are so individualized, but we often find there's an environmental trigger. Many times it's related to heavy metals and toxicity, so we want to address the underlying culprit to allergies first and then work from there. But supplementation can do also extremely well when we're talking and uh, with regards to allergies
2: that uh, that sounds like a lot of work but uh, I, I can say that I've reduced my symptoms so profoundly from where I, from where they were that I, I would say I'm 80% of the way they're using detoxing and, and some of the other techniques, uh, and I still find that there's some leftover things that are just plain annoying. Uh, so, uh, as I as I make more progress on that, I'll, I'll be blogging about that as well because I'm I'm just kind of fed up with it. Uh, Going to be trying some relatively experimental things and, and we'll see. Cause I, I think there is a way to reprogram your immune system to not respond to things that it is responding to for reasons that are justified. Like it, it believes it's doing you a favor, it's just wrong. And since our bodies are fast and dumb, they should be trainable. <laughs>
3: right uh, that's a good point absolutely we also look at adrenal function too with allergies and and that has to be addressed typically to balancing the thyroid and adrenals but but clearly you've made some great progress that's great we'll try to if you come to new york we'll try to figure out the 20 percent that's uh, still causing these uh, allergies and and responses by the way this year particularly in in the northeast is a very very bad allergy season just starting because we had such a horrible winter and all the flowers and pollen is all at one time germinating. So we're having a horrible allergy season just starting. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where
2: we aren't good as humans at correlating invisible things with how we feel because they're invisible and because the the reaction time, maybe an hour or two or even 48 hours. Right? So, uh, it's easy if you, you smell something and you sneeze, but if you smell something and you start sneezing six hours later, you're probably not going to know unless you're like a crazy event correlation machine uh, like I am. And when you when you start looking at not just whether you're sneezing, but whether you're kind of a jerk, <laughs> like it, your your brain was slow and cruddy, and you yelled at your kids, and you know you you weren't nice to your boss, and you cut that guy off in traffic and ran the red light, and Allergy plays such a big role in those kinds of behaviors and it's, it seems like it's just not acknowledged. Uh, do you see people's personality changing when they cure their allergies or, or do, are they better people? Are they nicer?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. They generally tend to be a lot nicer. You know, they're not suffering with the, the uh, sequelae and the uh, side effects of the actual allergies, uh, the response to allergens. But, you know, what's interesting. We, um, we look at something called pregnenolone, which happens to be a mood and a memory hormone you probably have known or or know about it uh... but for your listeners pregnenolone is also a nature steroid so we also implement a high dose pregnenolone in our allergy patients so back to your question they'll also feel better mood wise because pregnenolone will reduce the allergens typically or the allergic response, but because it's a mood and memory hormone, from, mostly from the adrenal glands, they'll actually feel good. So uh, we kind of kill two birds with one stone with that. But, but generally speaking, patients do tend to be acting better and, and, uh, once their allergies are relieved. But, but this is going to be a trying year for all of us, particularly here in the Northeast.
2: So would you recommend that people with allergies try pregnenolone, or that, do they need to get a blood test first? to see what their levels are.
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I probably would have them at least get a baseline blood test. Uh, we have patients, and, and again, the lab establishes a norm to which we don't pay a lot of attention to, so we'll base it more on symptoms rather than numbers in the lab test. But we have patients uh, having, you know, eight to nine hundred, a thousand levels of pregnenolone when the normal range is up to maybe 250 or 300. But they do extremely well. Their allergies are more curtailed and uh, because their mood and their memory is improved. In fact, we're trying to get pregnant alone, also in an IV form and we're close to doing that. We should have that, I hope, in the next several months. So, But a very, very important um, natural hormone that I think uh, particularly those suffering from allergies should pay attention to.
2: That is uh, something that I have not taken for 10 years probably and alone is one of those kind of anti-aging, uh, pre-hormone things that's, that comes in and out of vogue, but I am unfamiliar with using that for allergy. So it, it's, it's cool that you're working on that. And I, I really appreciate that you're working on figuring out ways to do this stuff intravenously. Um, it, It's one thing to say, take these 30 capsules, you know, one per day and in a month you might feel better versus let me just adjust the levels right now and see if you walk out tonight and feel different because we can feel the effects faster from IVs and they have deeper effects anyway. So I I think it's really cool that you're looking at turmeric and pregnant alone and whatever else you put in a needle. um, it, It is more effective that way, even though it requires a needle.
3: Yeah, that's right, Dave. You know, we've been lucky because we've actually uh, been able to use, we get green tea now in IV form and resveratrol, red wine extract. So uh, we're making some cool progress on getting a lot of nutrients intravenously. So we'll let you know when we get these, of course.
2: Beautiful. Now we're running up on the end of the show, uh, but there's a, a question that I've asked every guest except that episode number 66 where I forgot, probably because I didn't take enough Um But... The question is, what would you recommend based on all of this knowledge and all all of the other things you've picked up in your life uh, for someone who wants to perform better at whatever it is they're here to do? So if you wanna kick more ass, do these three things first. What are they?
3: I think the first thing I would do is tell them to have coffee in the morning. with, with uh, butter. <laughs> Truly, I mean, is, is that really uh,
2: one that, of your three, or
3: is that just because it's that's me? That's really one of the, absolutely. It's something I do. It gives me a great kickstart. It keeps my appetite suppressed. My patients love it. So it tends to keep us from eating too much in the morning. You know? So I think that's clearly something that, that they need to do, and I think uh, they can easily do that. And aside from, of course, recommending vitamins and their you know the B vitamins, and and CoQ10 I love and the mitochondrial vitamins, I I would really highly recommend patients to get themselves tested for thyroid dysfunction. It's an epidemic that's unrecognized. Um, We do a TRH test for example and we'll find underlying thyroid disease when almost everyone else is saying your thyroid is functional. Uh, And that's a clear major issue related to energies and the way we perform at work and and with our home lives. And also with with that in mind, get their hormones. Hormones checked, optimize hormones, optimize the adrenal hormones, optimize testosterone, optimize estrogen and uh, progesterone for females. I think those are the, the ways that we can improve dramatically on our lives. And also, stick to a very low carb diet, keep your calorie count low and you can do that by doing low carb. So I think if you can combine these three or four things you'll and, and, and find a good physician in your area that will measure these hormones and replace them as necessary, it will change your life, no doubt.
2: Well, well thanks for sharing those points. Uh, I, I always like asking uh, people who've spent more than a decade working with functional medicine and complementary medicine because you have a menu of things that you know about that that's unusual even in complementary medicine, like not a lot of people are doing uh, the ultraviolet blood irradiation. Um, as well as some of the other things so so there's hundreds of things you could have answered but just the -the off-the-cuff top three it's always i I never know what's going to happen and so i I appreciate you sharing that based on a a pretty broad spectrum of, of answers you could have given so that's cool oh thank you
3: david yeah it's my pleasure where can people find out more uh, about your your clinical practice? Oh, sure, but yeah, they can go to my website, salernocenter.com or salernovitamins.com, which has uh, the list of all my, my three books the Salerno Solution, Fight Fat with Fat, and the Silver Cloud Diet. We have three websites, but either to salernocenter.com or salernovitamins.com will have all our information. They can sign up for our newsletters, our blogs, and uh, they can go to either of those two sites.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio.
3: Thank you so much, David. My pleasure. And come visit New York.
2: Uh, definitely we will do that.
3: Okay. And thanks again.
2: If you enjoyed today's show, I would totally appreciate it if you went out there and checked out Bulletproof.com, pick up your next order of Bulletproof coffee, check out Unfair Advantage, crank up those mitochondria, or do something else that's gonna make you feel amazing and kick more ass because, well, that probably makes you a nicer person too, and we all wanna live in a world full of nice people. Thanks
3: a lot, see you on the next episode.